vacation without kids. We haven't done that since our honeymoon 10 years ago. We went to Cancun, Mexico. We stayed at a all-inclusive resort. It was so much fun. I've never done anything like that. I would recommend it to anyone else looking to travel to Mexico or go on an anniversary trip. You need to go all-inclusive resorts. It's so awesome. We also took a family vacation or a family weekend trip, rather, to Lake Eufaula to a place called Carlton Landing. I recommend anybody in Oklahoma, in the Oklahoma area, if you're going to Lake Eufaula for a weekend, try to rent a house in the Carlton Landing area. It is such a cool area. The area looks so nice, and they have... They have swimming pools, they have boats, they have kayaks, you can fish, the whole thing. So, I recommend that. We also took a family vacation to Kansas City and spent about a week there. And so, I've been busy, I've been traveling, I'm now back, I'm kind of settling down. I'm ready to get back to some Squatch Ranger files. By the way, it is episode 50, I've done 50 episodes now. I am a volunteer, I'm not a professional, so I don't produce shows every day or weekly. I do try to produce a show once a month. That's kind of my goal. I don't always do that, but I'm pretty consistent. About once a month, I try to give you something on the Squatch Ranger channel. And also, I want to say how excited I am to be on the Anchor platform. Anchor helps the show reach Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. 
We hope to grow our audience and are able to continue to bring you the latest Bigfoot reports from around the country. If you are a new listener to the show, welcome! You are now an official Squatch Ranger. Your duties include have an open mind, ask questions, trust but confirm, and always seek the truth. Thanks for joining the show. So like I said, I've been doing this for about three or four years now. I am a volunteer. I just do this on my own time. I think it's so much fun to put together these Bigfoot reports and narrate them for you, the audience. It's so much fun. I also enjoy bringing on the guests and interviewing guests about Bigfoot. So I just, I want to thank my audience. I want to thank the Anchor platform. Uh, You guys are awesome. Thank you. When I started the show, I was around 30 subscribers on YouTube. I've now grown that up to around 565 subscribers. So I am so thankful and I'm ready to bring you more. So without further delay, here is Squatch Ranger Files, episode 50. If you have a Bigfoot encounter you'd like to report with us, please email squatchranger at gmail.com. We would love to receive your Bigfoot encounter, story, and we would like to feature it on this program. Once again, that's squatchranger at gmail.com. Number 1. Seminole Natives See Buckwaz While Fishing Southeast District, Seminole County, Oklahoma, Class A, Daytime Sighting. My grandparents' home was south of Wewoka, Oklahoma. I spent most of my summers there growing up until they passed away. Then we lived there full time for a few years. The land is still family owned and I have continued to hunt and fish there my entire adult life. My grandfather was full blood Seminole from the Snake Clan. He took great care in teaching me our history, traditions, and lore. Never making them lessons, instead using everyday occurrences to lead into discussion. Late in the summer before my 10th birthday, my grandfather and I were fishing. The pond closest to the house was not proving to be very fruitful that day, so my grandfather suggested we walk to the old pond. At that time, this pond would have been well over 50 years old and was deeper in the woods than was normally convenient for a quick afternoon fishing trip. There was a large creek, wetlands draw, between the pond where we were and the wood line we would have to enter to get to that old pond. This creek area was well known to me because of the persimmon trees, blackberry hedges, wild possum grapes, and sand plums that were abundantly accessible. There were a few places where you could easily walk down the bank into the creek bottom, but for the most part, it was a sheer drop of about 30 feet from the lip to the bottom. The draw itself was well over 50 yards wide, then another sheer rise on the other side, but again, there were a few areas with a gradual rise so that the draw could be traversed on foot. As we approached the lip of the draw, I smelled the most rank, putrid odor 
that I have ever smelled in my life. Imagine to yourself the worst case of body odor, added to that the stench of wet dog, and the odor that I later learned from hunting as wild animal estrus, then multiply that scent twentyfold, and you come nearer to understanding this odor. My nose curled, and I asked, What is that smell? My grandfather placed his hand on my shoulder, knelt to the ground, and motioned me to do the same thing while placing a finger over his lips to tell me to keep silent. He then quietly said, Buckwaz, which in the Seminole translates as skunk ape. About that time, we heard something large moving through the draw, and in looking towards the noise, saw her. She was approximately seven and a half foot tall, cinnamon in color, definitely humanoid, not a gorilla, not an ape, and not a bear, but not quite human. She meandered along the draw below us until she found herself in the ripe blackberries where she settled in for a quick snack. I don't know whether she heard us or saw us, but she definitely became aware of our presence and looked directly at us. We were above her by about 30 feet and approximately 60 feet away. She didn't act as if she was scared, and she did not immediately move on. She looked at us a few other times while she continued to snack on blackberries. Her eyes were probably the most human characteristic of her face. They seemed to have intelligence behind them. When she had her fill, she moved to the other embankment, and with only a few steps, she had scaled the sheer 30-foot embankment. Her line of travel would have taken her to the old pond where we were intending on going. Needless to say, our afternoon fishing trip was postponed, and we returned to the house. A little over two years later in the autumn that I turned 12, I was fishing the old pond one Saturday afternoon. My wire basket was already full of crappie, and I was out of minnows. Being 12 and knowing that chores awaited me at home if I returned from my fishing adventure earlier than expected, I settled into a little daydreaming and watching clouds flutter by. With my back against an elm tree that provided shade over my favorite fishing spot, an elm tree that had most likely supported my father's back for many years before me and my grandfather's for many years before him on lazy Saturday afternoons. Sometime during my daydreaming, I noticed that the normal white noise of insect buzz, birdsong, and squirrel chatter had completely gone silent. I heard something coming down the game trail on the opposite side of the pond, and knowing that the section line was not too far in that direction, I was expecting to see trespassers sneaking in to do a little fishing. What came down the game trail was definitely not what I expected. He was close to ten foot tall, and at least four feet across at the shoulders, a brownish charcoal in color. There was no odor to him like there had been with the female. He came out of the woods, stepped to the bank, all the while surveying the surroundings. I can only assume that either my position against the tree gave me some camouflage, 
or that he did see me and didn't feel threatened at all, because when he got to the bank of the pond he simply knelt and drank until he was full. He stood, turned, and returned in the same direction that he had came in on. I have fished that pond and hunted those woods for the last 40 plus years since those two incidences. I have found their tracks and sign as well as heard them near me. In the Seminole, Buckwaz translates as skunk ape, but I prefer the greater, more reverent title for the creature, that of Esti Kapkati, which means old man o' the woods. If you believe me, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine as well. Number 2. Teens see creature cross Highway 72 on road trip. 1987. Colfax County, New Mexico. Class A, nighttime sighting. I lived in Amarillo, Texas and was 16 years old. Three of my friends and I were trying to camp on my best friend's grandparents' land north of Amarillo. Storms came in, so, like idiots, we decided, hey, since we can't camp here, let's drive to Colorado. Of course, we didn't tell our parents we were doing it, lol. So, we drove to Trinidad, Colorado, and paid to stay at a KOA campground. Again, being idiotic teenagers, we were loud and got kicked out. So we just started driving home. I had been that way many times camping with my family. So I was confident I knew the way home. My best friend, Jay, was driving. I was in the passenger seat, and the two other guys fell asleep. Well, in Raton, New Mexico, I gave him the wrong directions and had him turn east on Highway 72, which is mountainous, instead of on 87, which isn't mountainous. We were driving for maybe 25 minutes up in the mountains, when suddenly, at the very outer edge of the headlights, something huge, brown to black, and shaggy, ran across the road upright, right to left. Jay nor I said anything for a mile or so, until I said, did you see something run across the road back there? Jay said, I was hoping you wouldn't say anything, because I didn't want you to think I was crazy. Here's the thing, this was 3.30 to 4 a.m. with no towns or even houses around, so there really couldn't be anyone around to prank us. Whatever ran in front of us ran upright, like a person. But it wasn't a person. It took maybe three steps to make it across the road and disappeared into the trees. I don't know what we saw, but it wasn't a bear. I've seen lots of bears in the wild, and this wasn't one. Number 3. Woman Sees Camouflaged Bigfoot From Vehicle 2020 Pender County North Carolina, Class A, Nighttime Sighting. This is my first and only visual experience that happened this past November 2020. I am looking for answers and advice as to whether this was Bigfoot or possibly something through the military. 
I live on the southeast coast of North Carolina. I had just dropped my five-month-old grandson off with his dad and was heading home along a back road that runs through farmland, swamps, and lots of forest. It was just getting dark, and as I rounded a curve, my headlights were hitting the woods along the roadside. I saw something big move. All I could see was the outline of its huge body. I could see the outline of its arms and legs as it moved. Like I could see the background behind it, through it, if that makes any sense. As it took a step, it stopped and looked back at me. Its eyes glowed green. This looked like a camouflage Bigfoot, standing at least eight or nine feet. I am concerned about this. Thanks for letting this grandmom share my experience. This has not been easy for me. Follow up, NOBRO investigators report. This sighting occurred in the southeast portion of North Carolina. The witness describes being able to see through the creature and also still be able to see the background behind the creature. Many other Bigfoot reports describe the same type of ability, which has been termed cloaking. The ability for a Bigfoot to cloak is not completely accepted by everyone in the Bigfoot community. There are supporters out there that back this concept, and once again, there are eyewitness reports who state they have seen a Bigfoot go in and out of the cloaking state. Some supporters compare cloaking to the Hollywood movie Predator, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. In this movie, there are several scenes showing the Predator camouflaging in the jungle, becoming nearly invisible. If Bigfoot are able to go in and out of a cloaking state, this would give them a tremendous advantage in the woods for hunting, evading humans, and discovery. Even with the numerous reports and eyewitness accounts of seeing a Bigfoot-like creature going in and out of the cloaking state, there is still no scientific evidence to fully support this idea, thus resulting in the side for skepticism of cloaking. Nevertheless, this specific Bigfoot report could result as a tiny piece to help build the case for cloaking evidence in the future. This report is also close to the Holly Shelter Gameland, a public woodlands and wetlands on 75,000 acres with areas for hiking, bird watching, and hunting. Primary hunting species are deer, bear, turkey, fox, rabbit, raccoon, squirrel, quail, and dove. With all this game in the area and so much wooded acreage for cover, a Bigfoot-like creature could easily hide with enough food and water to survive. This case is now closed. <laughs>